what's happening? Who nominated us? Like, this is amazing, right? And uh, we started digging in and then we jump on a call. How were we nominated? Why, under what circumstances? Like the agency was so brand new. It's like our new clients just like literally thought <laughs> that we were so awesome and nominated us to this Dubai thing. And we had to go to Dubai and all this stuff. As I'm on the call, it was legit a sales call. They were trying to pitch me into paying- For the price. For the price. Yeah, this is literally, they're trying to sell authority. At a time, it did have authority to be a published author of one of these publications. A lot of people see it as an opportunity to profit of people that might not have the authority in their marketplace at the moment. So they try to sell you. And you know, there's there's many different ways too that you can now earn that authority. You can- uh, Mr. Beast uh, is, a, is a good example. He actually recorded a full-blown festivals commercial, the chocolate brand that he has, to run on the Super Bowl for $7 million. And then he, last second, he was like, yeah, we're not running it. I don't think the money is worth it because his publishing power is greater. And that's exactly what he did, right? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Content is Profit. What's your take edition? What's your take, baby? It's a good one. I like this one because we, we've we chat about this stuff before. I know. Uh, there was an episode and as soon as I saw it, I was like, Fonzie, we've talked about this. I'm like, oh, just read that tweet. Just read the tweet. And yeah. I was like, yes, this is what we're going to be talking about today. That is right. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to kick off the episode here. No intro today. So welcome, guys, to Content is Profit. <laughs> today, we have a special topic for you. If you have, actually, I don't know how to start. <laughs> you know, scratch what? it, scratch it, scratch it. I had, I had a whole <laughs> intro thought out in my mind. Why didn't you and write I it down? I, you you're I, not, you're not following... I was in the bathroom the when process. I thought about it. I was in the bathroom when I thought about it. And then my mind went to other things and forgot about it. But this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to preframe you like this. Have you seen those profiles of people that says Forbes 30 <laughs> under 30, right? And you're like, wow, this person might be must or be must be, successful. you know, somebody with loads of authority, right? Or, you know, all these people that in their profile, they have like these accolades by legacy media. It's like, oh, published author at Forbes, for example. Well, you're in for a surprise. You might or might have not received in your inbox at some point, somebody with a PR agency pitching you to be on one of these lists, right? We've been on that other end where we received that DM. So and man. honestly, the first time I received it, I was like, huh? So that's why there's so many Forbes 30 under 30, right? I was like, there's way more than 30, first of all. <laughs> then I realized that they have categories. Of course, they're trying to make money. So you got to make loads of categories of Forbes 30 under 30. So more people can buy into Wait, it. I think you're showing your hate too much towards that. You're, you're, yeah, you're you, you, can, you can already talk, uh, you're, you're get my take pretty much. But derailing. This is, this is what we're going to be talking about, right? Can legacy media still build influence? Or is legacy media dying? What is your take? Now, where did this come from? Came from a tweet from Christopher Lockhead. For those that don't know who Christopher Lockhead is, he's pretty much the top doggity dog dog of category <laughs> design, right? He uh, wrote a book. What is the book called? Category design. Yeah, category design. And he used to be CMO, very big companies. Now, he has a pretty epic podcast. Uh, I think it's called Marketing, Loghead Marketing. He 
is one of the thought leaders, I would say, in the marketing space. And his whole thing is category design, right? Niche down. Uh, well, one of the books is niche down. And then he has the other one that is, again, related to category pirates. Either way, he published this actually minutes ago. I just read it and we had a whole different episode prep, but we decided to go with this one. And I'm going to read the tweet right now. It says, a CEO friend asked me if he should go to a PR marketing smooth event with the legacy business and media. Here's my advice. Warning. I'm biased. And I think we are too. But for a reason. The bulk of legacy media is a waste of time. Here's why. I used to write for many of the biggest legacy business media outlets. Stop five plus years ago. Because almost no one reads it. Because it's mostly clickbait and he has an example of a headline what color socks elon musk wears fast company and inc are so desperate for revenue now they charge entrepreneurs between eight hundred dollars and a thousand dollars to win the award of being named on their best company list kind of like the example we just gave forbes 30 over 30 under 30 forbes charges experts 1200 to write for them then they sell subscriptions to us so we can read the work of people who pay Forbes to publish it. So they make money from contributors and readers. Now, with ChatGPT slash AI, the junk manufacturing media <laughs> complex can make endless junk. Readers know this is garbage. That's why legacy business media is dying. Your best marketing ROI will come from building. One, your own content. Two, your own media three, your own thought leadership, and four, your own direct relationship with prospects and customers. That's the episode. Goodbye. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty. It's, it's a pretty epic I mean, tweet. I, yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, he's, he's speaking his sides, right? And, and you know, for many that uh, maybe if you haven't been exposed to any of this, uh, firsthand, it might seem a little foreign to where like, oh, wow, you know, you see the covers of the magazine or, or you know, on the website, it's like, I seen on Forbes or I published for this publication, right? But uh, it's interesting when you open the hood and you start seeing what happens, right? Where for you to be publishing these platforms, you actually need to pay. And uh, it's not a filter. It's like literally anybody can do it. And uh, we had a recent example with uh, you know, we're doing outreach. We want to make sure that we meet amazing people to bring them to a podcast. Uh, if they're experts in their field, we want to talk about that, right? If they're expert in publishing, we want to talk about that. And uh, we came across a profile that their initial response to our invite was like, well, if you are willing to pay for Facebook ads, um, I'm happy to do it, right? And then they named the number of subscribers um, on YouTube. I'm like, first of all, that's not our main platform. Uh, second of all, it has nothing to do because the people that are subscribed on YouTube are amazing and uh, they follow the content, they love it. And third is like, why would we pay for this, right? And we started digging a little bit more on his profile and he's one of those that are, you know, Forbes 30 under 30, uh, but he has no content whatsoever. I think it was like just one article. Literally one. Um, like I looked him up on Forbes and I looked up his name and kind of like his articles that he has written in there. One and he article. had one article in there from like years ago. So, you know, part of me is enraged, right? Because how many people maybe fall into uh, this false uh, place where they're like, oh my gosh, I am putting this person in a pedestal. He's an authority, X, Y, Z, because he's a Forbes published author. 
when in reality it was just one article. Do we don't know, right? Even today with our own podcast, right? We publish more than 400 episodes. Are we expert in certain areas of of publishing? Probably, right? But I will let the person that interacts with me, whether that's the audience or the clients that we work with, to be the judge of that, but I'm not going to be putting it <laughs> everywhere like that. And I and I get it. It's a it's a play to is differentiate yourselves. Play. It's a status play. So I guess you got to pick your side, right? And we've been tempted, right? I remember also about three years ago, I think the agency was brand new. We were starting with this and we get this email from an organization in Dubai and they're like, you guys have qualified or are winning this amazing marketing award of best marketing uh, in the country or something like that. I, and, uh, I totally forgot about and that. And I was so. like, what? What's happening? Uh, how do we, who nominated us? Like, this is amazing, right? And uh, we started digging in and then we jump on a call uh, with the people to kind of find out how do how were we nominated why under what circumstances like the agency was so brand new it's like our new clients just like literally <laughs> thought that we were so awesome and nominated us to this dubai thing and we had to go to dubai and all this stuff and uh, as i'm on the call it was legit a sales call they were trying to pitch me into paying for the price for the price yeah uh so we could get this plaque and then pay for the trip to actually go to dubai and be in this amazing networking event with people that we did not know random industries probably old people that were trying to pay for influence and uh and they were like this is gonna be an amazing experience for you guys to get more clients and i'm like hey let me, can we stop the call right now? Like, it, are you guys pitching me on this? Like, if if so, I'm no, I'm not interested, right? And they continue to the follow up and we continue to say no. And it really opened our eyes to this industry. So if you're out there, just beware that, you know, maybe the people no. do, do the diligence, do diligence on the people that you are consuming your content for. If you, if they have been publishing for years, if they have uh, a record of thought leadership, like are the topics that they're talking about the real thing? Um, are they providing value to you, right? Do your homework before you actually trust um, some of these so-called experts, right? And I'm not batching the experts that are actually experts and maybe they pay to get a little bit more exposure. Absolutely, right? But there's some homework. There's some people out there that they just do this uh, yep. to be able to do that. And, right, you yeah, know, I, I, I want to add something in here real quick, right? Like this is literally they're trying to sell authority, right? Because like it says, legacy, right? Old school at a time, it did have authority to be a published author of one of these publications. But now that weight is actually coming down, right? And a lot of people see it as an opportunity to profit of people that might not have the authority in their marketplace at the moment. So they try to sell you that authority. And you know, there's there's many different ways too that you can now earn that authority. You can borrow the authority by being a guest podcaster in somebody else's bigger platform, or you can borrow it by having your own platform and bringing people of high caliber into your platform, interviewing them, and then promoting that episode. But guess what? The problem too with borrowing that authority is that when other people are going to check you out, just like we did with this one guy, right, that we saw... Dude, he doesn't have anything. He hasn't published. His one article is from like 2020, right? Is where like this guy was, you know, it, it's a fake. So what happens if you borrow 30 but don't have anything to back it up? That perception immediately falls shut down and you yes. lose the trust. But then if you are consistently publishing, 
right? Like the five tips that Christopher Lockhead gives in here in his street, right? Your own content, own media, own thought leadership, own direct relationship with prospects and customers. If you have those in place, right? You earned the authority. And then when they go and look it up and they see that you can back it up or you have backed it up with your content and what you've put out there into the world, guess what? That perception matches what they believe your authority is and you earn their trust. So you got to be very, very careful when yeah. you're trying to do this authority place because it can actually backfire on you. Right. So Absolutely. I would say, first of all, be consistent and be that thought leader. Put yourself out there, share your content on your own media. Again, be that thought leader and own the direct relationship between the prospects and customers. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously we've picked a side here, right? Like, and, uh, and you know, we've, we've considered, we're like, oh my gosh, like that would be great. And, uh, a magazine that I was addicted to when I was in college was the entrepreneur magazine. Right. And, uh, um, part of it is I, I don't think I consume it anymore. And you see all these new actors, uh, you know, the Hollywood industry, they're all now entrepreneurs and they're all in the cover of entrepreneur magazine. I'm like, uh, how much? I, I, I think they find, they discover the value of having their own audience. Can I, I, and honestly, I, I, I think this. This came. This is probably for a different conversation. It was kind of like they probably saw what The Rock did with his audience and yeah. the tequila and all that stuff, and they're like, "Huh, yeah, look at well, that." Not that, not just The Rock and George yeah. Clooney too. But uh, what I'm saying is like not not to put their businesses down, but you know, in my my thought process, like, okay, how much money they actually paid to be in that cover? And I think when we when we dug it dug up, I guess information. I think it was like $10,000 to be on, on the cover of the entrepreneur, right? So we're like, okay, well, for them, that's pocket change, right? It's like, hey, yeah. uh, let, let's run a quick ad to be that, you know, elevates their authority in the industry, right? It, it puts them in front of a lot of faces. And that's the that's the game of, uh, that's the name of the game, I guess, in advertising. I personally, not a big fan of stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Maybe I, I, will say, I will say this, and I think this is interesting, right? I think because like, I think the underlying message is kind of like that borrowing authority to develop trust or earning the authority, right, to develop trust. Because we have a really good friend that I remember sitting with him at one of these podcasting conferences not too long ago. And he told me, he's like, I would pay for media any day. Yeah. For good media, I would pay any day. Doesn't matter the price. And it makes sense, right? Because for him, he is a thought leader. So when you go to see his stuff... He is up there with the very best. So he is actually paying a lot of money to be in Absolutely. like Grant Cardone's podcast, right? Or John Lee Dumas' podcast. He is investing into traffic, right? He is paying to acquire the traffic. Now, the thing is, he is going to, first of all, he's acquiring quality traffic of markets that he can benefit from. And then he can back it up with his earned authority. Now, if you go to Forbes or one of these I publicate, I feel like we're, we might get sued by these guys, <laughs> but you know, let's say this legacy media, right? Publications, let's say we go to one of those, the traffic is probably not the best at this point. And like, like Christopher Locke has said here, like a lot of it is just clickbait, right? Like what color socks Elon Musk wears? Obviously that is like too on extreme, but I, I've noticed it. A yeah. lot of the content is just very, very fluffy. All they want to do is clickbait, get people in, and then all the advertisers are in the page. They literally take over 75% of your screen, the advertisers. You can barely read like two lines before you decide to click out. But guess what? They get paid on the back end. 
and that's what they care for. Yeah. So you trying to borrow that trap that that authority, right? Trying to profit from that traffic, you actually get none. Because if people don't really read your article, they're gonna click and then they're gonna be like, Yo, I'm so turned off by all these ads. Let or, me head out. Or of here. distracted by the ad and go to the ad. But, yeah. So you uh, can pay for media, just pay yeah. pay the quality traffic. I think, you know, I mean there there's two topics, right? It's obviously the pay pay for the traffic. If if you find that doing this it's it makes sense to your business and you actually, you know, get good leads, customers, contact prospects, whatever. Uh, awesome. Good for you. Great. We will, we would love to hear about it and come to the show and talk about that experience. We've never experienced, we've never done it. Right. The other side of things is the people that my, the, the other side of it is like you pay to be here and then you use that as leverage, uh, for your sales page or your selling message. Right. So, uh, from we've been in, we've been on the side of like, oh my gosh, we don't really know what's happening under the hood. And if I see that, then immediately I trust him. And I, again, air quotation here, I trust that person that it must be good. Now that we've seen under the hood, can we really trust it? Like what is a secondary source that we can go consume their content? What is a, uh, a third choice that we can go and learn more about them uh, before I actually make a purchasing decision, right? So um, if you are on the consumer side, right, and you encounter some something like this, right? Dig in a little bit more, right? Maybe it takes you two or more three clicks, you know, two or three more clicks to find out about their content, their thought leadership. Are they actually uh, doing the thing that they say they do, right? And then uh, and then you can make your own decision, right? So I totally get it. I get it on the marketing side. It's like placing a $7 million uh, Super Bowl advertising, right? Uh, Mr. Beast uh, is, a, is a good example. He actually recorded a full-blown um, festival commercial, the chocolate brand that he has to run on the Super Bowl for $7 million. And then he, last second, he was like, yeah, we're not running it. I don't think the money is worth it because his publishing power is greater. Like he'll reach more people, um, his own customers, his own audience by publishing in his own channels. And that's exactly what he did, right? Clearly, this is a very uh, a specific example to somebody that has been publishing and building his audience for years and years. Yeah. But that can also happen in the micro version of whatever business that we're doing, right? In yeah. your business, that's going to happen. So, Dude, that, that, that is such an interesting example, and I love that you gave it. I don't want to, we're going to potentially extend here. But it's like, because now you have Logan Paul and KSI that they did run the prime ad for the Super Bowl. Absolutely. But in my in my mind, I think the game there was not was more all the media that was gonna come from that because they were the first kind of like creator led product that in had a nad in a Super Bowl. So a lot of people were speaking about that and then they leveraged all that massive noise, right? It was yeah. I don't think it was necessarily to like Hey, let me build this brand through the super the Super Bowl uh, yeah. ad. It was more like, oh, the let's ripple effect of this is make as much yeah. noise as possible is gonna be crazy, right? So strategic moves. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, they're all like pieces to the the marketing puzzle, which it could be interesting, right? Um I think we're emotionally connected to this because we've seen it. Like, I when I was reached out to get this award, uh, first I got excited, then I got confused, then I got enraged that this was a sales call, and then I got really pissed that we were not gonna go to Dubai. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing worse than a covert like sales call. Covert. Like, sales yeah, call. let's uh, let's <laughs> do a virtual coffee, and then all of a sudden they come with a a freaking folder full of notes. Be like, yeah, let's start over here. This is the knife I'm gonna sell you. I was like, what? Is this a cut code? They just knock on my door, like <laughs> trying, to, you talking trying about? to sell me who, these knives. Who? Well, it's like door to door sales. In what? I just, I just make knife it. sales meeting you've been. <laughs> what? Actually, I had a fun story, fun fact. When I was living in Dallas, I had a, so like Cotco. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. it, but it's like they do the door to door, like super high, expensive, like knife selling. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so <laughs> we had this this girl at, at the women's soccer team at our school <laughs> that she decided to do that. And I remember that she was like, oh, can I practice this pitch, you know, like with you practice. guys? <laughs> sure. Yeah. The practice was like covert. An actual pitch. Sales, yeah, actual <laughs> pitch. She was actually trying to like pitch us in knives. So we're like, no, we're broke. We're college students. We got no money to buy these knives. And like, we don't no, really no, but, care. But here's a payment plan. Just open this credit card. Yeah. And, uh, so that, you can do it. Yeah. That, that's how these like people approach you. They're like, yeah, we have a price for you in Dubai. You've won like best marketing category for a new business. We're like, what? This is epic. Uh, this is bringing so many memories. And they like, uh, yeah, it's going to cost you $20,000. <laughs> this is, uh, I was, I was, uh, hijacked also by a group of salesmen of an uh, energy drink that was out and it was ended up being a period pyramid scheme and uh, oh. a bunch of people went to jail but i remember how they reached out i was like hey we love what you're doing on social media i'm like what am i doing on social media and i was like it was just my personal instagram i'm like this is weird so we ended up meeting in a in a panera and they're like you see that bmw over there this drink pay for it and i'm like well that's crazy that's awesome but that's also super crazy i don't trust you so well, we, we didn't end up doing anything i have the best story i have the best story you have the best yeah story? yeah look at look at this i haven't told this one in a while actually I might have told it in the podcast a while back, <laughs> but you know, when I was back in Texas in school, you know, all these people, you're young, you know, you feel good, you're single, you're trying to date, right? And you go into the app store and you get Tinder. So <laughs> I done a lot of Tinder, but I was this girl, she was beautiful. We match and I was like, yes, let's go. And we start talking and she invites me. He's like, oh yeah, we have a get together here at someone's house. Like, do you want to come? I was like, absolutely that's awesome and she's like oh cool i can even pick you up i was like damn that is so nice i don't have a car i appreciate it like you're gonna pick me up so she comes she's like hey i'm outside i walk out and it's her and a dude in the car right <laughs> and like, I, mm, immediately i'm like well i thought weird. it was just gonna be me and you but you know i'm you know i'm always open to make friends so sure so i sit in the car and they start talking whatever i meet them and then we get to this house it was literally a pitch for one of those like <laughs> like multi-level marketing for a drink. And I, I was remember, like, yeah. yo, did this girl just match with me on Tinder to sell me into the hey, MLM she, of the drink? I was like, she was living light years ahead of everybody on that light one. Years light years ahead. ahead. I was like, oh my gosh, I just got scammed. <laughs> I just got like catfish <laughs> here on Tinder. And I'm not gonna lie, I left the meeting. I mean, they, they do a really good job selling. Like they are like they, they the sell webinar, the dream they're baby. webinar experts like those people do webinars they would be absolutely crushing it yeah. and i remember i left that thing calling my mom and be like yo mom like let's invest in this drink <laughs> so I, i'm like the easiest sell too i was like mom like this thing is epic it's super I was, my mom was like yeah all right cool cool sounds great like just get a few days think about it you know then after a few days i come down i was like all right cool buy not to sell <laughs> not to sell do not make purchasing decisions 
after matching with a cute girl on Tinder. <laughs> I was like, it's eight. No. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I ended, I didn't end up investing, obviously, on that thing. But That's it was crazy. Funny. Yeah. Uh, fun story. I think I think Bumble has like a business connect thing. So, you know, if you're listening and you're part of that and you've had actually good results and good networking, Dude, let, let us know. We would, yeah. we would love to know. Uh, anyways, okay. This episode went south real quick. Not but south. Could, it just... It just, went, it just went whatever it had to go, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Covert sales, can legacy media still uh, build your influence? And is actually legacy media dying? Good yeah, what episode. was your take? Well, Final my, take. My take is, well, right now I, I have a negative view towards the legacy media. Obviously, I'm going to root for your own platform, your, your own thought leadership. Like, how can you build that, right? And we talk about this since we launched the show. Our experience, obviously, you know, is very small compared to bigger companies personally, but it's changed everything for us since the day that we decided to mm -hmm. publish our own thing. And for us, that was a podcast, but like I was talking to Deidre, the CEO of Capture earlier, um, it's about your content ecosystem. What are the pieces of content that you want to produce, whether it's a podcast, a YouTube, right, microclips, what is that ecosystem that you want to develop? And, uh, and go ahead, dive in, dive in. So if you do not know where to start or uh, if you started and you want a little bit of direction and, and support, whether that's um, a call or whether that's on the production side, reach out to us uh, at the BizRose call on social media and uh, just go to bizrose.co. There should be an application up. Yeah, we promise you it's not a covert sales call. <laughs> you know, if it's a sales call, you're going to know it. Uh, if, it if we're just connecting, we're just going to connect and if by any chance you're not ready to hop on a call, you can go to contentisprofit.com and then you can get access to our Facebook group as well. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, that's the episode. That's Guys, fun. with that said, thank you so much for tuning to the Contents Profit Podcast. Go ahead and follow in your favorite podcasting platform on YouTube. <laughs> I know social media. I'll be his first call. Dude, I was like, what's it? are you okay? Are you okay? Then? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Guys, if today's episode will help you move one step closer towards your goal, please don't forget to share it and, and leave a five-star review. I have to hurry. And, and, and. Yeah, I had to hurry because you were like, you know, taking your sweet time. All right, guys. See ya. Bye, guys. <laughs>